We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks. And joining me today is a special guest from 95.7 The Game's Morning Roast, Warriors pre and post game, Bonte Hill. What is going on, man? How you doing? What's up, Rob, man? Long time no talk, man. Good to hear from you. I know, man. It's uh, it's just been over the past couple of years. It's just been a little weird. And you said before we 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 hopped on here that you also have season tickets, just like me. So I guess we just pick and choose when we want to actually hang out in the press box, huh? Yeah, I, I kind of choose like when I want to have free food, right? You know, do I want nacho <laughs> right. spread at halftime? Do I want the chicken tenders? Do I want to go get me a couple omelets before the game? Or do I want to just go to section 227 and chill out in the shade and, and talk to the fans and watch the game from that vantage point? So, you know, kind of pick and choose, man. Is it a cold game? All right, it's cold. I'm going to go in the press box. I'm going to go uh, <laughs> freeload off of that. But if it's a nice warm day, man, I'm going to go use the season tickets, especially this year where it was like, can you sell the season tickets? You don't know if you can sell them. You know, we're in the pandemic right now. So I know a lot of people are gripped for cash. But, uh, yeah, no, it's been a while, man. I think I went to the press box, Rob. Let me see. Twice this year, the Minnesota game and the Green Bay game, <laughs> two NFC North teams. Go figure. But those were the two press right. box games I went to this year. Uh, Minnesota game. Basically, my girl was like, "Yo, you need to get out the house. Go to the Niners game or something." I was like, "All right, fine. <laughs> I'll use the press I know, box." Dude, what a, what a horrible thing you have to do. <laughs> <laughs> so you said right. your uh, your season tickets are two twenty seven. Two twenty seven. Right underneath yeah. the uh, right underneath the uh, the big the sweet tower. Yeah, it's, no, no. That's uh, so when the Niners run out the tunnel, we're right above that tunnel oh, in okay, the end gotcha, zone, gotcha. and uh, it's pretty cool because like even on the sunny days, we had that like built-in shade from the section from the three hundred section to where we don't get any sun, we get no rain. It's actually perfect. Now the shade sometimes gets a little chilly, but they're not bad seats, man. It's not a bad, not a bad, uh, not a bad seat in that house. Yeah, because mine are just over to the left of you and 234. It's the, okay. the small little sections of seats that sits right in front of the, the suite tower. Yeah, the, yeah. 
So yeah, my that- I was the same thing. So my weird story with season tickets was when the in the first year of the stadium, I I bought season tickets off of eBay and I got lucky and got them for basically face value, like like wow. no upcharge whatsoever. And but they were and they were just one section over from where my seats are now. But I mm-hmm. spent that whole season sitting in the shade, and I was like, "Man, this is fucking nice." Like, yeah. everybody's no, talking I, about the heat. And, yeah, uh, no, I wanted to get over there to the Sweet Tower. I was trying to, when you know, when I was looking for my season tickets, I had a couple requests to get on that Sweet Tower side, um, and just nobody replied. So I got a good deal where I was at. But yeah, no, it's good to not have to complain about the sun, not complain about the right. heat, because right. I've sat over there on the other side in that sun side. Boy, I was there. I sat there at the Arizona game in 2019 when the Niners came back from 16 nothing, And I sat there. It was great seats. I mean, 45-yard line, five rolls up, and I was cooking. Boy, was I sweating. <laughs> and they were selling waters for like $2 a pop. You'd never get that at a stadium, right? You see, they're selling no. waters for about five bucks. I said, no wonder people are complaining, and no wonder people are leaving these seats. I was cooking. So I don't re- – I mean, look, it's not a bad seat in the house. If you could bear that sun, man, good for you. But, boy, I, I couldn't do that for eight games a season. No, and, and I, it took me a while to gain some perspective because I'm from Fresno. And Fresno get – I mean, in the summer, like, 102 was, like, average, you know. So, like, yeah. when I would go to the games, I'm like, this isn't that bad. But then, you know, once you gain some perspective of the fact that most of those fans are coming from the Bay Area and you're still technically mm-hmm. in the Bay Area, the average, you know, the, the average day in San Francisco is, what, like 60? You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, 60, like 65, yeah. Yeah, I don't, so, I don't. By the way, Fresno, that dry heat out there is no joke. I, I oh no, do it's, it, it's ruthless. It's ruthless. It's ruthless. But all right, man. Let's. You know what? If you did not see, I don't know what your Twitter tag is. It's just Bonte Hill. Yeah, Bonte Hill. Yeah, I use the okay. government name. <laughs> if you if you if you do not follow Bonte Hill on Twitter, you got to get on there because this man went to AT and T Stadium. He was in the trenches taking grenades. And, hey, you're in Texas. Like, grenades are actually a thing down there. So you're in the trenches. You're taking grenades. You are at that game, and you had some of the funniest videos I've seen in a long time. Why don't you just, like, from the the top, wherever you want to start, tell us about your experience going to that game, man. Because 49ers and Cowboys, that's, like, at the root of NFL greatness. And you were there for that game. So tell me about it. Yeah. Rob, I, I don't know how old you are, but I'm guessing you know all about the Niners Cowboys rivalry. Of so course, a lot of people of under the age of 30 just don't know about it. And, you know, my teenage years, you know, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, Niners Cowboys, Niners Packers. So last Monday, the Monday before the game, I decided, my, I decided you know what? I'm going to go to Dallas. I'm going to make this happen. <laughs> I'm just going to go. I got to be there. And I don't know. I'm usually conservative. I'm usually playing safe. I'm going to watch it on the couch. I'm not going to shell out all the money for a trip like that. So I told my girl, say, hey, man, you want to come with me or, or without me? I'm going to Dallas, Texas. So I ended up going out there solo dolo uh, Saturday. My girl got a little sick, so she canceled on the trip. So I go down there, and I use all my Delta points. I use the Amazon points. <laughs> you know, we use the Hilton Hotel points for the hotel. Right. And I fly down there and get down there Saturday at around 5 o'clock. Right. And I see all the Niner fans partying down there in Texas live. So I kept it easy. I, I went to go get me a steak dinner and went back to the room. And my ritual before game dates, which is really weird, is I like to watch an old game. So I watched the old 92 NFC Championship game. And usually it's a Niner's loss. So I can feel that pain and have an edge to me when I walk to the stadium. So that <laughs> Sunday, man, I get there, get on the shuttle, and, you know, I, I shut off somebody for a ticket. 
And boy, let me tell you, Rob, it was an experience of a lifetime. Like I've been to some major games, like the Rose Bowl between Oregon and Florida State, where you got Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston. I went down to the Fiesta Bowl where Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields are going at it, and it was nothing but studs on that football field. This experience right here is at the top of the top because Cowboy oh, fans man. love to chirp. They love to chirp. And walking around Jerry's World, which is this massive dome, just massive, right? And there's all kinds of things around it. There was a Walmart across the street, which was really clutch for me because your boy left his belt in California. So they had a Walmart <laughs> right across the street to where I was able to buy a $12 belt and be cool. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, ah, I don't have to worry about pulling up my pants every two seconds. So, you know, I get in the stadium and the vibe, Rob, right away. 90 minutes before kickoff because I was in there early. It was a vibe. I mean, it was just – you hear the boos for Debo Samuel. You hear the cheers from Dak Prescott. And I had a couple Cowboy fans behind me right before kickoff that said, yo, Bonte, we're going to talk a lot of trash to you. Now, they didn't call me Bonte. They called me Dante, Devin. They just didn't even know my name. They didn't even try to learn my name. They asked me for my name. They called me a completely different name. They told me, we're going to talk trash all day long. And I was like, okay, they want the smoke. They want the smoke today. And the Washington Niners go right down the field Seven plays, 75 yards in that opening drive. I was on one. After that, it was all <laughs> systems go. I started chirping. I'm getting flipped off. I'm doing Ezekiel eat, eat, eat sign at all these Cowboy <laughs> fans. I'm leading Niner defensive chance. I don't know what got into me. Like, I was down there solo dolo, and my girl's like, you're not going to make it out of Texas alive. Calm the hell down. I'm FaceTiming her during commercial breaks. Like, yo. And, you know, I'm getting FaceTimes from Chris Mullen, who works with me on Warriors pre and post game. I'm, I'm FaceTiming Butcher Boy. I just started chirping. But the experience, Rob, I mean, because that was my first 49ers road game. I had never gone to see the 49ers on the road. I don't count Oakland. That's right across the bay. I don't really count that. I've never been to a Rams-Niners game in L.A., never been to a Cardinals-Niners game in uh, Glendale, Arizona. So to go in a hostile environment, with the red and gold on, and watching your boys play in a game like that that didn't feel like a wild card game, oh, I'm going to be talking about it for years. I'm going to be talking about it for years. And let me say, Rob, when the Niners won that game, because there was a lot of stressful moments, and one of those videos I posted, it was probably a little premature, because, boy, Dallas came roaring back, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, God, what did I do? The sports gods are going to curse me, Rob. Oh, no, what did I do? I'm not going to be allowed back into the Bay Area. And I know you saw that. It was 23-10. Let's see, you know, it's 23-17. Dallas has the ball. And I'm thinking, what is going on here? I cannot get back on that flight with an L. I just can't do it. Now, they win the game, and your boy was started strutting that strut, man. I mean, I got on the shuttle. I was talking. While we're waiting on the shuttle, right at intersection, and the Niners team buses come flying by with the charters. You know, they got the police escorts. And I get up in front of the charter bus, and I go, bang, bang, Niner gang. Those my boys right now going to DFW. They fly back to the day, back to the Bay winners. And Cowboy fans looking at me is like, yo, drop this guy off right now. Get this guy off the charter shuttle bus. So I walk into Dallas-Fort Worth Airport, straight from the hotel, get the Uber, I, it, it was funny too, Rob. I know I'm going long here, but one of the oh, hotel clerks, one of this guy had to, Alfonso, he was working at the Double Tree Hotel. He saw me come back into the hotel after that game and he goes, You are the last person I wanted to see. Out of all the <laughs> Niner fans, I did not want to see you because you were talking that talk last night and I for sure thought we were going to get this game. So I go to the airport, I go through the terminal, and I'm just yelling, We're back to the bay with a win. We're going to the frozen tundra. We're going to the frozen tundra. And, man, I must have been on a high so much that I got two hours of sleep, 
did the show the next day, and it crashed for about eight hours after the show. So uh, it was it was it was once of a lifetime experience. I recommend going to a road game for the 49ers, Cowboys, Niners, and that was the rebirth of the rivalry. It felt like they had been playing every single year in the postseason, Rob. Right, and what what a lot of people don't realize too is they is like the 49ers, despite the fact that we've seen like the catch over and over. The 49ers were on the receiving end of the Cowboys for years. Like, you know, they were Mm -hmm. like, I think they were like two and five against the Cowboys in the postseason. And, you Mm -hmm. know, finally, I think they lost like two or three in a row. And then once they finally got past the Cowboys, you know what I mean? It was like a a christening, like, hey, we we can finally do this. And, you know, it's just you you just feel a little sorry for the people that don't know that history, because (laughs) seeing those two uniforms together on that field, you know, it was like. Not to mention two of the cleanest looking uniforms in the NFL. And like they, they yep. just, it's just everything about that matchup is perfect. And it, it was, I did not necessarily, I knew the 49ers had a shot because I looked at the right. Dallas Cowboys schedule and I said, dude, these guys are, are playing a different schedule. These guys have right. not been put through their paces like everybody thinks they have. And like, yeah, they're yep. dropping 50 bombs and that's cool, but. This is not the, the 49ers are not who they're used to playing. And sure as shit, it seemed like the 49ers are just hell bent on pushing them around. And uh, you know, and Rob, it, that, that that's a great point about the schedule. Cause they were six and oh in the NFC East and they had averaged 40 points against the Giants, Washington, and Philadelphia. Everybody else they averaged like 25, 26 points per game. And one thing that I noticed going into that week as we're doing all our field breakdown and kind of scout me opponent. Dallas was an undisciplined team. I remember telling Butcher on Thursday on the morning roast, and I said, dude, they are sloppy. I watched back the Arizona-Dallas game, and I said, these guys commit pre-snap penalties. They hold. They do everything they can to not win big games. And you look at the stats, where which backed it up. They were first in offensive holding penalties. They were the, the worst team in the league when it came to penalties per game, which on the flip side with the Niners this week against the Packers, they're going to have to play clean football because the Packers don't right. beat themselves. And you see it playing out Sunday, Rob, 14 penalties. But how many pre-snap penalties did they have that just destroyed them? So I'm with you. I did not really fear the Cowboys because they're a team that – beat themselves and when you look at the schedule and we had some jabronis from dallas all right uh 105.3 to fan we did the simulcast <laughs> and this is funny we're, they're like what signature wins do the 49ers have you know we beat the chargers and the patriots and i said the chargers huh? didn't make the playoffs the patriots <laughs> i was like week four when matt jones was just learning what the nfl was all about and it took you overtime to beat them that's what you're bragging about so i kind of knew the niners if they played their game they could come out of there, come out of uh, Dallas, Texas, with a victory. That's what they did. What was uh, what was up with that that one? You you did that video where you're kind of like talking about how everybody <laughs> in the stands is quiet, and that lady right next to you is just flipping you off through the camera. Oh. Were those and those were the people you were sitting next to, right? Yeah, right. right. They were sitting right behind me. <laughs> so that guy <laughs> comes up right before the game. and goes, Dante, Devin, ah. Uh, I'm going to be talking all day long because we're going to kick your ass. And I said, okay, that's oh, how they're doing it in Texas. Hey, right next to me was this uh, guy from Pakistan. He was with a family of four. And he goes, ha, you Californians, you come all the way down here to watch your team lose. You know, he's very soft with his trash talk. You could tell trash talk wasn't in his DNA, so I kind of let him off the hook. But the guy behind me with his wife, Leah, I'll never forget her name, Leah. She is, oh, yeah, baby, it's going to be a long day. We come down the field, we score. They go up 10 nothing. They're up 13 nothing. By the way, by the time Debo scored that touchdown, they were gone. They were out of there. <laughs> they, they were really, they out of there. They weren't even in the seats anymore. 
Oh, they were done. They were gone. And Lee is flipping me off in the video because I'm posting on it. And she she got tired of me because she's like, baby, just sit down. Why are you talking so much? I said, your husband keep yelling every other play. Break his leg. Break his leg. Hurt him. Hurt him. I'm like, that's what y'all do in Texas? Man, y'all are different. You know, that's what you're yelling. Break his leg. Oh, screw Jimmy. He dates porn stars. I'm like, really? That's all you got? Like, and then poor Leah, she's sitting there. I said, look, man. I told the guy, I said, make sure you take Lee out to a good steak dinner tonight, man. You need it, dude. She's going, she's in for a long one. You drag her out here. You got her talking trash. You got her flipping me off. So it was great. And then by the end of the game, watching all the Dallas fans leave. And while we're sitting there yelling, we're going to the Tundra. Oh, it was priceless. They literally, Rob, left their seats. Debo scores. I think it was 23-10. So they stayed a little bit longer after the Debo touchdown. And they were gone. After that, they were gone. They didn't see the last nine minutes of the game in their seats. Damn, man. Like, I can't, I get it. I get it. You know, your team's losing it. You're taking one for the team, but it's like you're still at, at a playoff game. Like, you can't just bail you on it. We've seen crazier things happen. But what's funny is you mentioned the dude talking about breaking his leg. Like, that, that kind of seemed like Dallas was kind of like had a little bit of a, I don't know what you want to call it, but I mean, did you see that video? I think I, I tweeted it out, uh, a quote tweeted somebody, but there's that play where after Debo Samuel just runs the ball, he gets like six yards. And Randy Gregory just winds up and punches him right in the back of the head. Like, yeah, tackles him, and then boom. Yeah. And then you had Mika yeah. Parsons throwing bombs at, at Brandon Ayuk because he was pissed that he got blocked out of the play by a wide receiver. They seemed like they were just kind of losing their cool. You're talking about the penalties. You're talking about that stuff. Right. Like, it just – it almost seemed like they were not ready for that moment. And which is kind of crazy because the 49ers haven't necessarily earned, like, the, the ultimate respect in that situation either, given right. the way the season went. But – it really just seemed like the 49ers had something in their makeup that Dallas did not have. And, you know, it, not, not to say that it was a, a, a blowout because, you know, obviously it came down to the last play-ish. But it, it just it, it seemed like the 49ers have something that Dallas doesn't have. And maybe that's what makes them actually respectable against a team like the Packers is they yep. the 49ers kind of just seem like they've got a special sauce, a little bit of something. Mm-hmm. You call it an underdog mentality. You call it a chip on your shoulder, whatever you want to call it. Like this team's been in like win now mode for like, what, like five, six weeks. It feels like you know, two once, months, right? I mean, right. when they lost to the Cardinals, that was rock bottom. Then they lose to the Seahawks and they had to play basically a, a, a elimination game against the Minnesota Vikings at Levi stadium at like week 11, week 12. And so, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because Dallas, you know, punching and being undisciplined. It's a product of their coach. It's a product of who they are. When things get tough for them, they wilt. They start complaining. and They start throwing hissy fits. That's the Dallas Cowboys. That's who they are. That's what their fan base is. That's who their owner is. That's who, and, and that's why they made it all about the officials at the end of the game. Oh, man, we didn't have a chance to spike the ball. Dude, you're ready quarterback draw 14 seconds left with no timeouts. <laughs> you really expect the umpire, uh, Roman George, whatever his name is, to go, come on, man, stop it. But – you know, the 49ers, I'm glad you brought that up about them being battle-tested. I think it starts back to 2017 when you're really breaking down, Rob. Oh, for Think sure. about that. George Kittle, Lincoln Thomason. You know, a lot of these guys have been here. When they lost, I look at the five straight losses they had in Shanahan's first season with John Lynch where they lost five straight games by three points or less. That Those type of games build character. It builds calluses. And then you end the season the way they did in 2017. You go to 2018, we know what happened. And then 2019, when they play all those big games, man, those last nine games, 
Tui gets Arizona, Tui gets Seattle, the Rams on Saturday night, the Saints, the Ravens. I mean, they played in big-time football games. So the character of this football team, when you look at a lot of these guys, the core group, they've been involved in big games. So that's why I think mentally uh, they're underrated when it comes to mental toughness. Uh, and that's why you look at the season. Like, how many teams, Rob, we would have seen quit? Just be like, you know what, we're 3-5, we just lost to Colt McCoy. That's it. Let's pack it in. Let's pack it in. But instead, these guys come back from injuries. They come back from COVID. Brendan Ayuk, his turnaround this season has been spectacular. We know about Debo Samuel, George Kittle with over 900 yards receiving. I mean, they are mentally tough. So that's why it wouldn't shock me if they won Saturday night in Green Bay. But it all goes back to 2017 with Shanahan and Lynch started building this team. As they say, brick by brick, right? But a lot of those losses in 2017, by the end of that year, they were winning those games. You know what I'm saying? So I think the character and the mental toughness really was starting to build in 2017 when they lost five straight games by three points or less. They didn't have a lot of talent, but damn, they were in those football games. And I think they started to put the league on notice like, man, it's just going to be a matter of time before the 49ers are a factor. And before you know it, they were relevant. So uh, mental toughness, they, they have a lot of it. Dallas does it. I mean, that was just that was apparent on Sunday. Dallas was not mentally tough, and the Niners are, and that's why they're in this spot right now. Right, and it was like, dude, you mentioned 2017. I'm glad you mentioned that too because, like, there was something about being covering that team, being in the locker room after the games, even after losses. Like, I couldn't quantify it. I was doing this pod. We would talk about it, but there was just something there. Like, you were like, yeah. I know this team is losing, but they're not at each other's throats. They're not blaming each other. It, it was clear that everybody still knew no matter how many times they lost, even when Jimmy Garoppolo was out or before Jimmy Garoppolo showed up, you know, it, they still knew they were headed somewhere. And like they believed mm-hmm. in whatever Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch were feeding them. They were they they bought into it. And that, would you know, it didn't it just didn't surprise me at all when Jimmy Garoppolo plays that first healthy season as a starter and they go all the way to the Super Bowl because. In that 17 season, 18 season, like you knew the team was taking it in the chin, but after, after in the locker room, you could just sense it. You're like, okay, this still, this still makes sense. Like there's no one to blame for this shit. They're still, they're still on track to something. We don't know what it is or how good it's going to be, but, and you can see that now, even when things aren't going their way, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is, is who knows what, what you're going to get with him every week. The team still kind of like finds a way to like figure yeah. shit out, which is kind of no, like, you, you're right. You, you, you're right. Not to cut you off, Rob, but like, you're no, right, you're man. Like I, I remember being in those locker rooms and I remember by the end of the year when they're beating Jacksonville and Tennessee and all of a sudden, right, that Jacksonville win, bro. Dude, yeah, that was remember nuts. that? And Jacksonville yeah. was, I went to the Jacksonville locker room after that game. And that's when Jalen Reggie was like, Jimmy Garoppolo is just a system quarterback. And I remember Miles Jack yelling off the record. I can't believe we lost to these MFers. I can't believe we lost to these MFers. And I was just dying because I was just like, damn, these are this is a team that's going to the AFC Championship. You know what I'm saying? They have the best defense that year, and they were ticked off for losing that game. But there's an image that I always remember uh, that I always relate to back in 2017. It's when they lost to Seattle. I think the score was like 12 to 9. And they played their asses off, man. That was when K-Wall Williams, I thought, had a coming out party. I thought Eric Garbstead had a really good game. And the, I just uh, remember at the end of that game, the Robert Sala goal, right? and Kyle Shedahead standing right next to each other, despondent. And I said, you know what? They want it. They want it. They, 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 these are these guys are the right hires. You know what I'm saying? Shedahead's right. the right hire. I never thought, you know, even this year when everybody's going crazy about him being on a hot seat or whatnot, I never thought that was the case. I go hard on Shedahead, but it, not my wildest dreams don't say, hey, fire Shedahead. No, you don't do that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. You're not doing that. That's insane. 
But but like that image to me, that sticks out to me when I think about that 2017 team. Solid shed ahead at the end of that game, just figuring out like, man, how are we going to do this? We're close. We don't have our guys yet, but we're close. And now you kind of see it coming uh, coming to fruition here with the 49ers here in 2021. And like, even no matter what happens Saturday, Rob, the future of this team is bright. <laughs> like, you look at their core players, think about the quarterback they have, backing up Jimmy Garoppolo, some of the defenders they have. The future's bright here in San Francisco. And I would say that out of all the NFC West teams, they're in a better position to make a run in the future because we know the Rams like the Will and Deal and they're playing it year by year. The Cardinals, does anybody really believe in Cliff Kingsbury? And then the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, not anymore. Yeah, not anymore, right? Not, <laughs> not after that debacle last Monday night. No, it's 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 just something else, man. And I think that, you know, you mentioned before we started hit record, you mentioned kind of the position the team was in before they got into the playoffs, you know, and playing the Rams for that spot. And, you know, if you've beaten the Rams five times in a row, there's like two thoughts yeah. going through your head. Okay, we've got this team completely figured out and we don't need to worry about them or they're due one eventually. And that's kind of the mentality I had going in that game. Like how many times can they just beat these guys over and over right. and over? And the Rams are a good team. Like it's not like they're just they're just embarrassing a bad division team mm-hmm. or nothing. But I, going in that game, I was like, man, this team, like it would be so disappointing if they didn't make the playoffs. Cause I feel like yeah. they've earned it in a way. Like they had some horrible losses. They could have mm-hmm. alleviated a lot of pain for themselves, but even then I felt like the team had earned it. And that would be pretty disappointing for them to not, not to make it into the show. And then for them to gut out that win in overtime for them to go into Dallas and get a win that I don't know. I mean, I guess they were getting respect pregame. There wasn't like right. people were writing the 49ers off. But it just kind of proves like there's something a little more to this team than yeah. than what meets the eye. You know, like everybody yeah. kind of wants yeah. to boil it down to Jimmy Garoppolo or boil it down to, oh, they don't have corners, you know. But it, it just week to week goes a little further than that. And they're kind of over overcoming anything. And now the next thing they got to overcome is Aaron freaking Rodgers and <laughs> Lambeau <laughs> Field in the frozen team. tundra. <laughs> like gonna be, that's gonna be tough rob i'm not gonna lie man they play clean football up there in green bay right i mean it's just like you can't even you can't even talk that much shit on green bay like they're just no. a great team aaron Rodgers is like mvp uh you know before comes from shanahan street so you know what he's he's not complete he doesn't have his head up his ass and you know the, <laughs> i guess the the only true thing you could kind of hang on to when it comes to the Packers is the 49ers know how to play against them, you know? And yeah. most, yeah. most of this roster remembers in week three, almost beating them despite this team being in a drastically different position. And then the last time they played them in the postseason, it was a massacre. You know what I mean? And no, that counts yeah, for I something. Mean, this is a completely it, different it game, does. but it counts for something. You know, I'm glad you brought up week three. Cause I, I actually watched that one over yesterday. And, you know, the Niners committed, like, three penalties, three pass interferences for 81 yards. I mean, I'm watching it back. I'm like, damn, I forgot Aaron Rodgers started 12-12. and And they got the ball out quick. You know, that was a game plan. Green Bay knows about that defensive line. Rodgers was getting the ball out in two seconds, two and a half seconds. He was doing the things like Brady, right? But then they did also hit the 49ers deep. But doesn't it, Rob, feel like that was lifetimes ago when you look at this 49ers team? The Amador Lenore was playing, all right? Uh, K.Y. Williams was hurt in that game. He got hurt during the game in the first quarter. Uh, Josh Norman was playing a lot in that game. Then he gets hurt with the chest injury. They just were different. 
they were different. Armstead's playing outside. Now he's playing inside. He's been a big factor. DJ Jones has gotten a lot better as the season's gone along. That was Bosa's, what, third game back from a reconstructive knee surgery. So, I mean, and and also, Juszczyk was like the number one running back in that game. I mean, they were running with <laughs> Trey Sermon, and obviously Trey Sermon was struggling to kind of figure out the the zone scheme and how to hit it, you know, one cut and go. Uh, he was kind of dancing around and tiptoeing in the hole. They hadn't figured out Debo at the running back spot yet. So they were a different, different football team. Now, Green Bay's probably a lot more confident after winning that game. They're, they're at home. They've had a really good season. But there's something to Matt LaFleur and Kyle Shanahan. And the way things went ended up week three, I know they're all sending each other flowers saying they're all best buddies and they're all good. But there's something <laughs> yeah, to right. that with the way LaFleur acted in that game. Like he was stunned. He was flexing. And he was he was dropping MFers. He was, you know, the whole handshake at the end of the game. This is a different 49ers team. Now, again, they got to get off to a hot start. And I ask you, Rob, like, it's been one game this year where the 49ers have played all four quarters. And that's why this game concerns me. I do believe they could go blow for blow with the Green Bay Packers, despite the Packers having a big time advantage at the quarterback position. But can the Niners put together four quarters, something they've done one time this year? Like, that's the question. Can they put together a full game? Uh, that's and that's might be the biggest question. You know, it's like right. the 49ers, like, and it's weird too because it's it's never consistent. Like against the Rams, they got off to a horrible start, and you know right. they were down seventeen to zero. Against the Cowboys, they got off to a great start, and they were up big, and then they kind of let the Cowboys creep back into it. Which is it? It doesn't give you any sort of an answer. Like you don't know what to right. expect from this team. You don't know if if it's gonna if they're a first half team. Like under under Harbaugh, it always seemed like the 49ers were a second half team. They would always do weird mm-hmm. shit in the first half and then they figure it out in the second half and, and end up doing what they needed to do but this team I, it's tough to get a beat on it like I just don't know what to expect I know what it takes to win you know I know that the, if the 49ers want to win you, Elijah Mitchell has to touch the ball like 25 times you know yeah. uh, Debo Samuel has to touch the ball another 10 times at least mm-hmm. you know and that doesn't include what he does through the air so it's mm-hmm. like you know what it takes to win but like can they do that for Right. For four quarters. And and the yep. other thing is, too, the Packers are going to know what it takes for the 49ers to win. What about George Kittle? I thought it, I I didn't realize over the last four games he only has nine catches for 78 yards. After he had like a three-week run that was unbelievable, right? He, he goes off against Cincinnati, goes off against Seattle, and, and he goes off the next week. I figure who they play Atlanta. He had a big game. Where has George Kittle been? It feels like this week is a George Kittle game. Oh, I mean, it certainly seems like like a George Kittle game. You know, it's it's five. It's it might be it might be five degrees when they're playing. Maybe <laughs> that doesn't include whatever winds rolling around, and that just seems like the perfect scenario for George Kittle to do his Viking. I mean, Vikings existed in the cold, and George Kittle is clearly a Viking now. So maybe maybe you're right. Maybe this is a George Kittle game. But right. to me, George George Kittle games are weird things because the, he is so effective as a blocker that it's like. You almost want to like you almost want to count the amount of times you see him in like a blocking highlight as like mm-hmm. catches or something. Like the dude mm-hmm. just like it's you know you know you're you're at, at in that moment you know you're not ha- allowing him to catch a ball and make a play for you, but at the same time he's making a play for you and he's the reason right. Debo Samuel gained no you know doubt. thirty yards in that right. touchdown. If you watch that block on that Debo Samuel run, George right. Kittle got his man, and then there were two other Cowboys defenders that couldn't get past him and the block he made. So the dude held up three Cowboys defenders and let Debo Samuel 
have the time to make that cut. So it's like, man, what even is a good George Kittle game anymore? Because I don't right. want to not give him credit for that shit. No, no, you're right. You're right. And, and, the, and the casual fan will say, well, he's just blocking. We need him to catch passes. But you're spot on there. His physicality on the edges in the run game. I mean, Spurs, you know, it, it helps Elijah Mitchell get the 97 yards. It helps Debo Samuel rush and cut back like he did the other day. So, you know, I don't want to overlook the blocking because that's been spectacular. But there's something about a George Kittle catch and run when he's bowling over somebody that oh, just man. resonates with the rest of the team. You know, that type of stuff is contagious. Debo's taking that spot. When Debo goes off and he breaks one of those runs, I call them tone setters, Rob. He's setting the tone like he did in that opening drive against the Cowboys on that wide receiver screen. He's a tone setter. George Kittle's that too. So we'll see. I mean, but this is a good problem to have, right? IU, Debo, George Kittle. These are fantastic weapons to have. And if Green Bay wants to take care, you know, take out one of them, then you got Debo and Brendan Ayuk. If you want to take away Ayuk, you got Debo and Kittle. You want to take away Debo, you got Kittle and Ayuk. So I guess it's a good problem to have. Well, and the the big thing with me, and, and George Kittle pretty much is the leader in this regard, is the 49ers, and I think somebody said this. I don't know who it was. It might have been Kittle himself. But the 49ers offense, they play offense like a defense. Like they are so physical. They are bullies. Mm-hmm. They are assholes. They block. They will just pound you nonstop. And you have to think about, you know, like that pounding during a game at Levi's in 65-degree weather feels one way. But what is that 49ers brand of football going to feel like, even for a Green Bay team that might be used to it, what is that pounding going to feel like in zero-degree weather? That's a great point. That's a great point. That's a great point. And they haven't played any physical teams. I mean, like the Bears this year wasn't as physical. They had a lot of injuries. The Vikings, we knew who they were. You know, the the last physical game, which I thought was very interesting, was when they played the Cleveland Browns on Christmas. And we saw that was a dogfight for the Green Bay Packers. That kind of gave me confidence in the Saturday. Uh, you're right, man. When you're getting pounded out like that in five degrees, zero degree weather, nobody wants to deal with that. Well, it just makes me think of that Marshawn Lynch interview where he's like, I just realized that if I just hit guys in the face over and over and over and over and over. And and he and like it, I just love it because that's what the 49ers do on on yeah, when they when the when the Packers played the Browns, Nick Chubb had 17 carries for 126 yards and a score. Like that mm-hmm. game, outside of Baker Mayfield's four touchdowns, which you'd hope Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't go that far <laughs> in the extreme, that is that is the rule book. That is the the yep. the you know the the playbook for beating the Green Bay Packers. And you know, not only does the 49ers offense fit that to a T, but it keeps Aaron Rodgers on the on the damn sideline getting cold. No you doubt. Know, and, no, that's, that's a great point. And, and that's why I never subscribed. You know, when you think about 2019 and that NFC Championship where everybody's freaking out about Jimmy throwing eight times, you've been around football a long time, Rob. You know what I'm saying? I've been around football a long time. You know, going back to Pop Warner, when you run the ball down somebody's throat like that, it is absolutely demoralizing. And football teams love that. They love that. Remember the Minnesota game where George Kittle's like, keep running it, keep running it, keep running it. Well, Mostert runs for over 220, and Aaron Rodgers on the sideline. Like, that's the whole point. Like Everybody's missing that point about, oh, well, Jimmy only threw the ball eight times because Shanahan didn't trust him. No, you idiots. Rodgers <laughs> is one of the best quarterbacks we've seen in history. If I can keep number 12 on the sideline, doesn't that sound like a great game plan? Hmm. Let me get seven yards of pop. We're going to run this clock. We're going to keep 12 on the sideline. And we're going to go to the Super Bowl. Like, that sounds genius to me. That's why I don't get why we get all caught up in 
fantasy football and all the passing stats. Sure, I would love a quarterback to throw it deep down the field and throw for over 300 yards. That's what makes us so in love with Trey Lance right now because of the way he can throw it down the football field. We want somebody dynamic, but damn, if I get a guy who can run it, 30 times a game, it gets stronger and stronger. That's what makes Derrick Henry great, right? That's what made Jerome Bettis great. That's what made these great running backs in the past. Earl Campbell, Eric Dickerson, they get carry number 20, 22, and the defenses start tapping out. They're like, dude, I'm tired of trying to tackle this dude. I'm tired of it, man. I quit. Marshawn Lynch, I'm done tackling him, man. It's too physical out here. So when you can impose your will like that, and if the Niners can do that this week, I will take an eight-pass attempt game any day of the week if that means a win. Right. Well, and it's and well, the funny thing about the whole eight, eight pass attempts thing is, is in that moment when the 49ers are playing football like that and they're averaging six, seven yards a carry, you would get chastised for throwing the ball if that's how mm-hmm. the success you're having. Like, it, it's it's great to look back at a game and say, oh, Jimmy Garoppolo only threw it eight times or, you know, in the second half, whatever. But in that moment, if you're running the ball that effectively and you stop doing it just to be able to say, look, my quarterback can throw the ball, then you're going to get more shit than you're ever going to get for yeah. a quarterback not throwing. Like nobody in their right mind has a running game averaging six, seven. Again, the Browns against the Packers averaged 8.8 yards of carry. You're telling me that you should throw when that if, if your run game is really producing like that? The Packers are one of the worst teams in the NFL when it comes to yards per carry. I don't mm-hmm. care if Jimmy Garoppolo throws the ball five times. Yeah. If the 49ers run the ball 45 times and they average five yards a carry, then they probably won the game. Right. Give me that all day. Give me that all day. Give me that all day. You know what? That's why the 49ers are built for this type of season. You know, you're talking about, Rob, how it would have been disappointing if they didn't make the playoffs. And I'm with you there. They had to get to the playoffs, man. Like, look, we grew up. The Niners were always in the playoffs. Outside of Harbaugh, this franchise is – not had many postseasons. We know that. You know, 2019 wet our beak a bit. You know, we wanted to see him go to the playoffs last <laughs> year. We know what happened. It was a lot, it was a lost year, but you know, to get to the finish line and have the Rams for a playing game, say, you know what, you got to win to go to the playoffs. And if they would have lost that game, you were right. It would have been disappointing because they have a team built for this type of season. Physical football in the trenches. And I asked why, you know, the casual fan will sit here and say, Man, you need a great quarterback to win a Super Bowl. I think you need great line. You, get, you need great line play. Your offensive line has to be on point. Your defensive line has to be dominant and be able to shut down the run. And that's what the that's that, those are things that 49ers have going for themselves right now is they can run the ball. The offensive line is jailed. We don't hear anybody complaining about Tom Compton anymore. And the defensive line has been stuffing the run over the last two months. So those are things that helps you win big games in January. So uh, I, I just I, I was with you there. Like, if they didn't get in the playoffs, it just felt like it would have been a waste. Now we get to see them in the postseason. It already had an effect on the Dallas game where they made the Cowboys one-dimensional. And that's my key this week. Can you make Aaron Rodgers one-dimensional? I think if you make them one-dimensional, I know it sounds crazy, right? Oh, man, you want to put the ball in Aaron Rodgers' head and (laughs) throw all day? I I prefer that because you get those pass rushers after Aaron Rodgers and you eliminate Aaron Jones because I thought in that week three game, Aaron Jones was a big-time factor. He ran the ball hard in that game, I think for over 80 yards. And then you got Dylan coming off the bench. So make him one-dimensional and make Aaron Rodgers think about number 97, Nick Bosa. Make him think about DJ Jones. Make him think about Armstead getting after him. So give me that physical bully ball because that works in January. 
Right. Yeah. Aaron Jones, the first time they played this season, had almost 20. He had 19 carries for 82 yards. And, you know, yeah, anytime you can get over four, four <laughs> yards of carry, then you're in the money because yeah. that, that, that gives you a first down anytime you want it, essentially. So it it really does come down to that, man. And, it, and obviously, it's easy for us to say if the 49ers can rush, stop the run, rush the passer, and run the ball, then they'll win. Like, yeah, we get it. But sometimes it really is that simple. It's just imposing that will on your opponent and and getting to a point where you can do those things is the ultimate challenge. But like what's crazy to me and how this week developed, like and we're just not used to this for the 49ers, but the 49ers are going into Green Bay pretty healthy. Like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I and 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 you were there at that game watching Fred Warner roll around on the turf holding oh his knee gosh. and everybody in the NFL world thought the same thing at the same time. And now, the, a few days later, the dudes at practice practicing in full, like you're like, damn man, like scared the shit out of us there. And right. what a difference a week makes. Like, yeah, you no, got- I mean, he 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 scared me. Bosa walking off the field at the end of the second quarter, and then I get the alert that he's not coming back into the game Sunday because the Cowboys and as you mentioned, Fred Warner. Although you know, Fred Warner played really well, I thought that Dallas Cowboys game, but Al Shair and. Uh, 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 Drake Greelaw did play well, so I wasn't, you know, the drop off would have been massive. They need to, they need Fred Warner Jr. I don't want to say that they don't need him, but Bosa would have been a bigger loss by far in this Green Bay game. So you, you, you're right to the point where they're healthy. All systems go. We heard nothing about Trent Williams. It sounds like Jimmy Garoppolo is going to give it a go. He's a tough guy. Um, Debo's healthy. So I look, man, it's going to be a dogfight up there in Green Bay. It's going to be a dogfight, but what a two week stretch, right? For Niner fans, you get the Cowboys. And you get the Packers the week after. And if they can win this game, you either get Tom Brady or you get round three against the LA Rams. I mean, it's setting up to be something special, man. I mean, you can't ask for anything better for the if you're a 49er fan with the lineup and the potential matchups they have here. Cowboys in the first round? Like I Rob, I was doing it was Clay Day when they beat the Rams, right? <laughs> So I'm sitting there doing – we did an extended version of the pregame show, 90 minutes. I'm like, great. You just had to add 30 minutes to a show where we know Clay's coming back. And I get it. It's Clay Thompson. It's a big deal. We got all kind of views, all kind of ratings. But damn it, the Niners and Rams were going into overtime, and I had to fold in front of my laptop – Trying to go through a show, trying to host a show, and it probably was awful for that <laughs> <laughs> But but think about that. And then, like in the middle of the first quarter, while Clay Thompson's coming back and they're playing the Cavaliers, it just I looked at Twitter. I was like, "Wait a minute, you're playing the Cowboys!" Oh my gosh! I just kind of sat back and just looked up at the sky. I was like, "Oh, this week is going to be bananas, right? This week is going to be bonkers." And then you get the Packers the week after. Like it is. It's setting up to be great, man. If they beat the Packers again, Rams or Brady, like, sign me up. Sign me up right now. I know, dude. It really is setting itself up to be an incredible run. And whether they beat the Packers or not, I feel like this team has already kind of proven its mettle. And I don't want to set myself up for, you know, a safety net or anything. But I am impressed with what this 49ers team has been able to accomplish. But one thing we got to talk about, we got to get off our chest here, is you tell me, without me saying anything about him, Right now, in his current state, what are your thoughts on Jimmy Garoppolo? You know, I said this last week, and I think I've said this all season long, and I know I've been on record saying Trey should have started week number one and this and that, but I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to go down to what, as one of the most underappreciated 49ers of all time. I really do. Um, I, I just I remember what it was like after that Philadelphia game back in 2017 
Look, they had passed up on Deshaun Watson. They select Solomon Thomas. They move up and go get Ruben Foster. They lose in Philadelphia. Joe Staley has the orbital bone. Pierre Garçon, like, basically breaks his neck. And we basically never heard from him ever again. Uh, he basically had minimal uh, uh, contributions to the football team and the organization shortly after that. And I just thought, man, this is rock bottom. They've got no quarterback of the future. There's no good quarterbacks coming out in free agency. Who's going to be in the draft in a swinging deal for Jimmy Garoppolo? I was on the tour at Chase Center, a virtual tour, when that deal went down. And I said, yo, guys, Adam Schefter just reported Jimmy Garoppolo is traded to San Francisco for a second-round pick. And what Jimmy did during that stretch, he pumped hope into this fan base. Think about that, Rob. You remember 2018, we all expected the 49ers to be in the playoffs. Why? One, Kyle Shanahan, because of the way he could dial up plays. And two, everybody felt like they had a franchise quarterback. I'll never forget the text I got from one of my best friends in Philadelphia. When Garoppolo went there to Soldier Field against the Bears in his first ever start, and he texted me in the first quarter said, yo, you guys have a franchise quarterback. It must feel good. And I said, damn, it does feel good. And the Niners end up winning out of that season in that season. And you remember the vibes that Levi's was Jimmy got there? The two the two plays he played against Seattle. I was in the restroom and I heard the crowd <laughs> going crazy. And I was like, well, you know what? These boxers gonna be a little stained today. They're gonna be a little stained. And what the hell's going on out there? Jimmy goes out there, throws a touchdown pass, and he gave this franchise hope. He gave this fan base hope. And I think a lot of fans have forgotten about that. What he did to help this franchise become relevant. And the expectations that all of a sudden, after a year in which we thought that was an expansion team under Kyle Shanahan, all of a sudden we were thinking playoffs in 2018. And I remember the cheers that were shed when he tore his ACL in Kansas City in 2018 in week number three. I think Garoppolo is going to go down as one of the more underappreciated 49ers. Look, is he the best quarterback in the world? No. Does he have the strongest arm? No. Does he make all the right decisions? No. Hell, I think I coined the Jimmy O no throw in the preseason. Like, look, there's going to be a couple Jimmy O no throws. You just got to live with them. How do they bounce back from them? <laughs> Jimmy has been a really good 49er, man. He has. Has it looked great? No. At times it does. At times it doesn't. But I can't take away what he did in 2019, Rob. New Orleans game. You know, the second game against Arizona when they're down 16 nothing, and he ends up throwing for over 400 yards. What about the game on Halloween in Arizona where he's throwing dime after dime after dime? What about the last game in Seattle that season where no quarterback had won up there in Seattle since Alex Smith? And he goes up there and goes 18-22 to 22 for 285. Sure, is it schemed up at times? But every quarterback gets the offense schemed up for him. All right, let's, let's stop with this whole, oh, he's schemed him open and this and that. Jimmy Garoppolo has been a really good 49er. And I think he's just so underappreciated. One day, I hope Niner fans do go back and say, you know what? Jimmy wasn't bad for us. Jimmy wasn't bad for us. It's a stick about it. They win when he's in the lineup. They win. <laughs> it's not all because of Jimmy. It's because of the running game. It's because of the defense. But damn, Jimmy does play well. And you know what else, Rob? He has that locker room. Those players back him up, man. That, that's not fake. That's not phony. Trent Williams, George Kittle, Kyle Juszczyk, you name it. They got Jimmy's back, man. So the fact that he's playing with a torn up thumb, a sprained shoulder, he could have he could have said, you know what, Rob? He could have said after the Tennessee game, my thumb is jacked up. You guys are going to dump me anyway after the season. I'm just going to go ahead and get surgery. This guy went out there in a do or die game down at SoFi Stadium and played like his life depended on it. And yeah, did it start off beautiful? No. But damn, 88 yards, 61 seconds, no timeouts to get the overtime to save the season. 
He's a legend. He's a legend, man. So, look, he's not going to ever be considered the greatest 49er quarterback of all time. He might not even be top five in that mix. But I think he will go down as one of the more underappreciated 49ers of all time. And Jimmy Garoppolo will always have my respect, man. He's done what he's he's done what's been asked. He's been tough. He's helped his team win a lot of big games. And if people need to remember where this franchise was at in 2017, the day he got traded here. Remember how hopeless, how hopeless this franchise felt. How there was the future just looked bleak. It was like, man, it's gonna be it's gonna be about three years before they're even relevant again. Well, Jimmy Garoppolo helped expedite that process. So uh, I, I think he's one of the more underappreciated 49ers of all time. And he's always going to have my respect, man. Jimmy Garoppolo's been a good 49er. Man, that was incredibly well said, bro. That was that was outstanding. Like, I'm sitting here going like, oh, maybe we'll have a back and forth about Garoppolo. But I don't even want to say anything after that. My, like, my that bad. Was, I, I, radio guy, that man. Was, long-winded, Rob. I'm all no, here no, no. tripping for five minutes, man. <laughs> Dude, that was, I mean, that was perfect, bro. And, and I agree with everything you said and, and, you know, emphasis on the part where, you know, a lot of times, especially as of late, he's got his moments where he's helping the team. He's got his moments where he's hurting the team. But I, I, I kind of had to take a step back a couple podcasts and go and say, look, no matter what we're getting from Jimmy Garoppolo at this point, it's clear he's got the locker room. He's got the trust of his head yep. coach. And this man is out there playing with a torn thumb that most doctors said is a four to six week injury. And he took one week off and he's going out there and playing. Off, he, he's telling us in press conferences, yeah, it feels like the webbing in my hand is just tearing. And I'm like, I, I, what? Is that, <laughs> yeah. Right. Is that how you feel about Garoppolo, though? Do you feel like he's underappreciated? Like, do you feel like, because I remember the day he got traded here, we knew really nothing about him other than that he was Tom Brady's backup. But I like the move. I like the move. And his first few games, where you think about him getting hit by Clowney, throwing that dime to hide that he dropped in Houston. Or the Pittsburgh game in 2019 where they commit all those turnovers and it wasn't Jimmy's fault. And he took shots in that game. I mean, he took shots in what was a body bag game and they figure out a way to go three and oh. And I just I just think of Jimmy Garoppolo. I think, man, the guy is tougher than what people put uh, put out there, man. His reputation, the way he, he gets re- received out here in the Bay Area nationally as well. It's like the guy's tough, man. I like I'll go to I'll go to battle with Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, and I, I, I do agree with what you're saying, man. I, and I've given Jimmy plenty of shit, and I, but I've also praised him for the times where he was li- yeah. lights out and, and orchestrating. You know, it, there's no denying that he he has a certain gene to him when, when the chips are down and, and he's got nothing else but left to do. We've seen it many, many times mm-hmm. where they've needed something from Jimmy Garoppolo and they've gotten it. Not every time, but right. I, I do think when you look at his career as a whole, and the way you summed up summed it up, because when I asked you about him in my head, I'm thinking, you know, what's your what's your thoughts on the way Jimmy Garoppolo has been playing over the last couple of games? How do you play in Dallas? And then, you know, you summed it up perfectly because there is a chance if the 49ers do not win, you know, knock on my my wooden desk here that right. <laughs> that this is his last game with the team. And that's it. We, we, Kyle Juszczyk already talked about them sharing a moment before. I think it was the Rams game saying like, hey, man, this could be it. And, and that's, right. you know, when you see it like that and you incorporate a little bit more of the human element and what this guy stepped in and did for the 49ers in 2017, winning those five games. I remember mm-hmm. seeing that that NFL turning point video that um, showed every play of that game winning drive against the Titans, I believe it was, in, mm-hmm. in 17. And the dude just yeah. looked like <laughs> – Tom Cruise in Top Gun, like just as cool as ice. I'm going to hit the brakes. He's going to fly right by. Like he just, I mean, and he just took the team down the field and and won him the game. And 
that's kind of like, you know, when you, when you take a step back and you look at his tenure as a whole, and if this is it, uh, 100% positive, 100% a great thing, 100%, you know, somebody that could, has a nice big chunk, like you said, of responsibility in turning this franchise around along with Kyle and John and just making it something to be respected. And now the 49ers have beaten the Cowboys in the playoffs. I mean, two years ago they went to the Super Bowl. Now they've beaten the Cowboys in the playoffs, and they're going to play the Packers in, in Green Bay in the divisional round. And you just really can't, from a broader perspective, Jimmy Garoppolo makes stupid throws. But right. has, has he been a stupid decision? Absolutely not. Like, he has just drastically changed this franchise. And I'm glad you came at it from that perspective because it's just different than a lot of people look at it. We're always right. so caught up in, you know, this week, this week, this week, next right. week, right now, or the now, the now, the now, that overall, you know, you got to respect what Jimmy Garoppolo's done. And then not to mention the fact that I think a lot of other teams respect that too. And yeah. if the yeah. 49ers are going to commit to Trey Lance this next season, which I expect they will, I think there'll be quite a few teams interested in bringing yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo along, not just for his his ability, and he might be inconsistent, but he's still a hell of a lot better than what these other teams are trotting out there. And, you know, yeah. and, and that's kind of one thing that goes overlooked. Like, the dude is, like, cut from a, a, an ideal football player's mold. Like, everything mm-hmm. he says, the way he carries himself, the way he takes responsibility, the way he – every literally has never had a controversial moment in a press conference. You know, like, I think that, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have plenty of of teams that are looking to get after him. Um, No matter how this game goes, man, like, it's not like playing in zero degrees is the ultimate display of of what you're capable of on a football field. But, man. No, you're right, Rob. Like, he's going to have some suitors. Uh, his value's up right now, and I don't care what the Niners receive for him. If it's a second-round pick, third-round pick, fourth-round pick. Yeah, I mean, they gave up a second-round pick. They gave up a second-round pick for it, and it's been worth every bit of that pick. And even the contract, giving them the long-term deal, you know, where they had the out clauses after every single season, it's been worth it. He's been worth the money. I think so. And, you know, a lot of people complain, oh, man, you got two quarterbacks and this and Dude, he's been worth every bit of the money. Uh, the jersey sales, the marketing – He's been a good dude, hasn't gotten in trouble. Like, the biggest knockout of everybody likes to say, oh, your quarterback dates porn stars. Well, you're probably in that position. You would, too. <laughs> so, I don't think right. – if, if I had that jawline, uh, you know, who knows what I would do. <laughs> right. Yeah, it was $137 million, Rob. Are you telling me right. I'm a quarterback in the 49ers and I'm single? Who knows what who I'm dating, dog? Like, that's the biggest knockout. Endless, bro. The possibilities would be endless. But, all right, so – what do they have to do to beat the Packers, man? Like, what has to happen? No bullshit. What has to happen to, for, for Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers to leave that tundra with a W? Yeah, they, they, they've got to play four quarters. I know that's so cliche, but they got to take care of the football. Not with this they team, bro, because they don't do it. They don't play four they quarters. No, they don't. They don't. So let's just throw that out the window. It's just, it's, it's just not possible. It's going to be a no, roller coaster. I'm just saying it's not a cliche. Day. Like when, right. when no, yeah, no. doesn't do it, like you, they need to, especially in they the need to, but it's probably not going to happen. It's only happened <laughs> one time this year. So let's just throw that out the window. You got to play clean football against this team, man. You can't have the pre-snap penalties. Green Bay, again, they're not going to beat themselves. They do not beat themselves. So, offensively, the Niners got to have their foot on the gas pedal, whether that's running the football, they're going to have to throw the ball a little bit because I'm, I'm anticipating Green Bay like they did in week three to stack the box and say, we're going to take away Elijah Mitchell. We're going to take away your run game. Throw the ball on us. And they've got the weapons to do it. Brendan Ayuk's a different dude now than he was in week three. 
Debo's all pro. He wasn't all pro Debo back in week three. He's all pro now, and he's playing with an edge that he's like the best dude on the football field. Um, you got to play clean football, and you got to get me. You got to get me at least a turnover or two against the Green Bay Packers. And I know it's easier said than done. How do you do that? Well, I think you double Devontae Adams, man. You shadow him. You don't. You make sure Avery Thomas. You make sure one of these corner Emmanuel Mosley. They're not one on one with Devontae Adams because whenever he sees Devontae one on one, he's hitting him with the back shoulder throw. He's hitting him with the comeback routes. He's going to destroy you if he's left one on one. Make somebody else in the passing game beat you. All right. Make somebody else beat you in the passing game, whether that's Tanya at tight end, uh, uh, Lazard, whoever it is. And then shut down that run game of the Green Bay Packers. Make them a one-dimensional team. Do not let the running game get going because once Aaron Jones gets going and Dylan gets going, you don't want Aaron Rodgers to say, oh, the play-action pass, baby. That's when he's dropping back with the play-action and he's throwing it 50 yards down the football field. So got to play a clean football game, turn them over a couple times, and a constant pass rush on Aaron Rodgers. But you also, if you're the 49ers, offensively, you cannot waste possessions this week. You just can't. I think it's going to take them about 30 points to win this football game. I honestly do, Rob. I I think they're going to have to win it like 31 to 27, 30 to 27. Because I do think Green Bay is going to score between 20 to 27. It just, it is what it is with them. It is what it is. They have, they've had to rest. Niners are on a short week. They're going to get the ball out fast. So can this Niners offense keep their gas, their, their foot on the gas pedal, you know, running the football, but also that passing game, timely throws here down the field. uh, They're going to have to do it. So, Everything has to go right for them um, in this football game, and you got to turn over the Packers a couple times here. But as long as the Niners play clean and they take care of the football, Rob, they're going to be in this football game. Right. Well, and, and, and as much as you know as it comes down to the running game, and obviously the 49ers need to be able to run the football. I mean, against the Cowboys, they ran the football 38 times. They still averaged 4.4 yards a carry. Like, they were on it. They were on one. And we've, we've come to find out that, like, the, the really that, like, sweet spot number for the 49ers and winning football games is right around, like, 40 rushes. Like, it's just mm-hmm. every single one of their wins where they, they really played their brand of football, it's always been right around that number, you know, 40, 38. 40, 44, which is absurd, but that it is what it is. But even when the 49ers have ran the ball 38 times, Jimmy Garoppolo still had to throw the ball 25 times. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that they're going to throw the ball that many times against Green Bay, but they may not have a choice because if Green Bay yep. does a good job against the run, which they're going to try to do, they haven't been able to do it, but right. they're going to try to do it for sure. That's going to be pretty much their whole sole focus. You know, They're not going to spend a whole lot of time worrying about Jimmy Garoppolo. That's just the way it is. And yep. they're gonna they're gonna put all their focus on stopping the run. So, you know, if Jimmy Garoppolo can just play a clean game, he doesn't need to throw for two touchdowns. Doesn't need to throw for three touchdowns. It really is all about that interception call. You know that yep. he's yep. going into no, the I'm freezing ass cold weather with <laughs> a torn thumb and a and a sore shoulder. You know, both of those I, are going to be exasperated by that type yeah, of yeah. That's the thing, Rob. How do you loosen up? How do you loosen up in cold weather? How how cold does it get in Fresno? <laughs> Uh, I mean, the, the best we really do is like 30 degrees. Yeah, see, I, I, yeah. how do you get loose in 30-degree weather? I don't even know about that. You don't. You don't. <laughs> you don't need to stay stiff. Good luck, Jimmy. <laughs> I know. That doesn't make me feel good at all. I, you know what? You know what? Like, we haven't seen much of Trey Lance. And I remember the play right before halftime with Trey Lance where he goes in for the quarterback sneak at the end of the half. I, I don't know how likely, likely it is, but – 
I wouldn't be shocked if we saw a sprinkle of Trey to kind of mix some things up in this game. I, it wouldn't surprise me as much as other people, but I don't know how likely it is. But, you know, maybe in the red zone you get a little creative because there was too much Robbie Gold last week against Dallas. Right, yeah. You know, they, they let – you know you had those three consecutive drives where they kicked a field goal every time. And, you know, one field goal is cool. Two field goals, yep. you're starting to go like, hey, man, you're gonna you're giving them a chance to hang around. And, you know, three mm-hmm. field goals in a row, and you're especially on that fourth and one. And I get it. Kyle Shanahan just wants to get some damn points. But at the same time, like, you know, especially against a high-powered offense, which definitely includes Green Bay, like, you just cannot let them hang around. And a 49ers team that's in this position – that just has a hint of playing with house money. You know, like mm-hmm. nobody expected us to be here right now. I, mm-hmm. I agree with you in the fact that even if it means Trey Lance, like there's going to be some fourth and ones and fourth and twos where you just got to go for it because yep. you know that you have to keep pace with Green Bay. Mm-hmm. You have to keep Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers off the field. You've got to make it happen, and you can't play it safe. There's It's win or go home. You know, like yep. play, playing it safe isn't necessarily going to get you the, the win. But, yeah, obviously it's run the ball run the ball, run the ball, and then let whatever else you've got in that tank left for Debo Samuel, empty it. Empty it. Whatever, whatever you got left in that, in that bag of trips for the old Debo, like just put it all out there. Who gives a shit if you, you know, you're, if you even give a thought about saving any of that for, uh, for a later time, obviously there is no later time, but, and to me, it all just comes down to that run game, man. How creative can they get, and how, can they take the will of the Packers? Can they, you know, just impose their will on them and right. remove their their willingness to deal with it? Because right. in that cold, in that situation, I don't care if you're at home. You know, it, it's it's going to be dark. It's going to be cold. It's nope. going to be something else. And if you can just start, you know, to impose that hopelessness, that man, this yeah. sucks. It- and you know what, Rob? That that's that's one thing too, where I wonder with Green Bay having all the failures in the playoffs under Aaron Rodgers, and it's not Aaron Rodgers' fault. I was having that conversation today on the morning roast where you know what a lot of people say, oh man, Aaron's underachieved. That guy has a Super Bowl rig and they've been in it every single year. I, I will take that all day long. Um, not all of it is his fault. But I wonder if the Niners can get out to another lead. And you get in that third quarter where you're up 10 points, 12 points, 13 points. And I always say Lemon Booty starts to hit that team, that favorite at home. And things start to get tight at Green Bay where the fans start to get a little queasy. And everybody starts (laughs) to think like, yo, this could be Rodgers' last game in a Green Bay Packers uniform. This could be Aaron Rodgers' last game at Lambeau Field. What's going on here? That will be something to watch here if you can get out to a lead on these guys and just have that doubt creep in. In Devontae Adams' brain, in Aaron Rodgers' brain, and more more importantly, in Matt LaFleur's brain, where he's like, oh, not again. Not again. So, <laughs> you know, like, especially on a Saturday night divisional round, man, it feels like you can get out to a lead and just get that doubt. And, you know, whole crowds, man, they're going to be jacked up to start the game at Lambeau Field. They're going to be fired up. If you could take that crowd right away, like the out right away, like they did last week at Jerry's World, that crowd was dead, Rob. Like when the Niners were rolling, <laughs> that crowd was dead. Cowboy fans, you saw the memes, you saw the pictures, they were dead. And even when they did get back into the game, they really didn't believe that they were back in the game. They were like, oh, we are? Like, oh, we're going to find a way to lose this because we're the Dallas Cowboys and we don't win these type of games. Well, I think the same thing could apply to the Green Bay Packers and their fan base. They get off to a slow start, man, and the Niners come out humming. 
oh boy, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how that plays out. Right, and that that probably is one of the main main keys to the game too. Is is it, at the very least go punch for punch. If yep. you allow yep. that, if you allow the if the inverse, if you allow Green Bay to get out in front and Aaron Rodgers to have some, you know, them to get their confidence up, that crowd to get into the game, uh, mm-hmm. it's it really takes the 49ers out of their element. Now, obviously, yep. we've seen they can they can come through in a clutch, but they want to mm-hmm. run the ball like two out of every three plays. They want to run the ball. They want to run the ball. And if you get behind, it's harder to do that. I think Shanahan's done a decent job of even in those situations, kind of sticking with their identity and making sure they're not mm-hmm. getting too far away from it. But yeah, you can't you can't get way behind to Green Bay in Lambeau no. in this cold and and not and remove the luxury of pounding the rock. You do that, right. and it's man, it's lights out. I, I'm, <laughs> right, talk, right. That's talking about cleaning out the lockers on Monday. <laughs> right. Well, damn, man, you got any? Uh, it's been hella fun. You got any uh, like final thoughts before we uh, before we send the people on their way? I mean, it's the last it's the last pod before the game, so yeah. No, I mean, you know what? Enjoy the game, man. Five fifteen Saturday. We got to considering how the season is played out, man. Week to week, it's been an absolute roller coaster. It's driven. It, that's a perfect crazy. way to describe it, dude. It, <laughs> I mean, has, it absolutely just, has been. You know, I talked to somebody from the 49ers the other day. They said, Bonte. Have you even been happy all season long? <laughs> and I tried to be, man. It's just been a roller coaster, man. It's been emotional. But you know what, man? Credit to Kyle Shanahan. Credit to Kyle Shanahan, man. He did not lose this locker room. They believed in him. He's coached his team up. They've won eight of their last ten. The two games they lost, think about that. Seattle came down to the last play of the game. Tennessee came down to the last play of the game. They've been one of the best teams in the league over the last two months of the season. And to see them go to Lambeau Field with the chance to go to the NFC Championship for the second time in three years, I'm amped up, man. I'm amped. And I think this team is in the right place, in the right headspace. They're coming on all cylinders. Now, can they put together four quarters? Probably won't happen because that's not what the Niners do this season. (laughs) That's just not how they roll. But I'm jacked up, man. I think they really got a shot to win this game and and play next Sunday in the NFC Championship game, whether it's in Tampa Bay against Tom Brady or SoFi Stadium to where they could possibly play two straight games down in L.A. So uh, I, I'm jacked up, Robin. This was a lot of fun just to talk Niner football, man. It's always fun to have an open forum, no commercial breaks. We can just riff on everything. So uh, <laughs> glad you reached out, man, because this week has been a whirlwind. Dallas going to Jerry's World, seeing that happen. And then I'm not going to lie to you, Rob. When I was on that flight, I was looking at tickets in Lambeau Field. They're pretty cheap. <laughs> just couldn't sweep a quick turnaround, man. It's just trying to get a flight to Appleton, Wisconsin, or Milwaukee. That's the tough part. It's like, wait, do I get off the plane and go straight to Lambeau Field? That doesn't feel good. You get off a flight, you want to take a shower. You want to feel good. I just couldn't sweep that one, man, because tickets are cheap up there in Lambeau Field, man. Nobody wants to sit out there in that cold. Man, that would be fun. you'd feel like a, a a band on tour, like just just going from <laughs> from one weekend to Dallas straight over to Green Bay to see it. But man, yeah, you're right, dude. It's it's been one hell of a roller coaster, and this is uh this has definitely been fun, bro. I appreciate you jumping on here. I'm gonna have to have you on here a lot more more often because absolutely. you bring a bring a good energy, bro. And I like that. I like that. But hey, absolutely, man, absolutely. Yeah. Nah, you know, unfortunately, man, I got a daughter. And- no, I don't think the wife, he's like, yo, you're spending too much money, dog. You need to chill. <laughs> <laughs> sit back a little bit. So I think uh, I think uh, it's a good play just to sit on the couch and enjoy this one. But, hey, next week, you never know. We may both be at SoFi Stadium or Tampa Bay. We'll see. 
Yeah, no <laughs> shit, man. It, there's and that dude that was that kind of summarizes the season right there. Like I got to a point during this season where I felt bad jumping on here, and everything was always a downer. You know, the team didn't play yeah, well, no. and you just have to break it to them. You know, you can't church it up. It is what it is. If the team's playing like shit, you can't say nice things about them. And then this whole second half of the season has just been exactly the polar opposite. And all of a sudden, every week I'm jumping on here after a dub and being able to be positive and upbeat. And here we are right now, yeah. 49ers in the second round of the playoffs. And who knows, maybe we'll be on here next week doing the exact same thing because they managed to make it happen in Green Bay. But all right, folks, this is striking goal. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, Bonte, appreciate you jumping on here, man. Everybody, make sure you're out there, there supporting the on. The supporting the pod, rating, downloading, subscribing, all that good stuff. You know what to do. Don't you don't need me to tell it. But uh Bonte, I appreciate you, man. Anytime, appreciate man. Anytime for you, Rob, man. Anything for you, anything for Blue Wire, Kevin <laughs> Jones out there, man. You guys do a great job, man, pumping out these podcasts and striking gold. Definitely one of the best 49ers content, man. You get the real, you get the authentic, and you you get the information that you need going into uh into games every single week. So I enjoy you, Rob. You've been doing great work. For a long, long time, man. Coming up from Fresno all the way to Levi Stadium, man. You've been grinding. So at least I can do this, <laughs> this that. podcast, man. No doubt. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, hey, that is another episode of Striking Gold. I'm Rob. That's Ponte. And we are signing out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.